Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You're tuned in to Something to Wrestle After, and this week we're covering WrestleMania 20. Stay tuned. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz Hello, everybody, and welcome to Something to Wrestle After. This is the show for all you huge fans of Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard out there to come and hang out with us after you've listened to the show. We cover all the big reveals, get your fan reactions, and every once in a while we might be offering our opinions as well. <laughs> I think more so. <laughs> and we love that you all have tuned in live on YouTube. Thank you for that. My name is Christy Olson, and uh, these gentlemen joining me here today. We're starting with the guy who runs Bruce Pritchard's YouTube channel and the channels of a lot of your other favorite uh, wrestling veterans. Hello, Steve Kaufman. Hello. Thank you all so much for having me. Also, thank you to the 18,764 who have listened and or watched this episode on YouTube.com slash Something to Wrestle. Oh, wow. And that's just a fraction of the fans, I feel like. That's very much like the millions that watch it, that listen to the, enjoy the podcast in a week's time. Including uh, these other two guys right here. He is a film critic, and also you may have seen him making headlines with a Nikki Bella interview this week. Yeah, that's right. Say hello uh, to Jim Alexander. Uh, I'm the fan of the dirt sheets. <laughs> They're fans of mine. Uh, yeah, Nikki, Nikki Bella interview I posted up there, so it's there for people to see. Yeah. Listen, some people dissing the dirt sheets, that's a good relationship to have when you're <laughs> us. And uh, this guy, a, a wedding DJ, one of the hosts of the Raw After Show right here on AfterBuzz TV, funny guy, I don't know, I could go on, but I watch. <laughs> oh, go ahead. It's cool. <laughs> How's it going, everybody? So glad to be part of something to wrestle after. Yeah. Well... Okay, let's uh, get there. (laughs) Before we start on a negative note, again, thank you guys for joining us live on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of these awesome uh, AfterBuzz TV wrestling and sports after shows and other programming we got for you. And uh, if you'd like to listen instead, I mean, we're pretty cute, but you know, if, if, if that's how you roll, you can hit us up on Apple Podcasts. Please leave a review and we will always shout you out on the show. And with that being said, this week we are covering WrestleMania 20. And the idea for this show was always not necessarily to for us to cover what they're covering and give our opinion, but for us to talk about something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard and what Bruce revealed maybe about what was going on behind the scenes or what we learned from this episode that we didn't know before about these historic events. Not sure that there's going to be a lot of that today. Well. We didn't really get much out of Bruce. Another quick episode. Yeah, another about a minute 30 or so. Yeah. Initial reactions just to that. Um, are you going to defend? I'm not going to defend. Just send the direct messages to <laughs> Steve. Uh, no, uh, I've these episodes have been my profession for a long enough time that I'm not going to lie. When I see when I personally see a 95 minute episode, I edited it two times speed. So to me, I'm like, cool. I kind of get a weekend. <laughs> I kind of get a lesser weekend. Also, uh, when I clip them out, it helped. Because there's noon, I get the clips that are under five minutes. They're, I call them micro clips. They happen at noon every day. And then on at 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. on either side of them, I get longer clips, which are clips over five minutes. 
So there were a lot of micro clips from this episode, mm-hmm. which helps get that like which helps get that schedule longer and longer. So you're telling me that there were some juicy tidbits here. There are some juicy tidbits that I think will get a lot more traction. In I have seven coming in the next three weeks mm-hmm. that I pulled that I think will get a lot more traction that way. And I think the more um, micro clips. Out of context, because now I'm scheduled up through like September, or October. Okay. That okay. I, that I think the tinier bits, where like the Tory Wilson, Billy Kidman thing, I think is going to get a lot of traction on its own about ten days from now, when I air it by itself. Mm. Okay. All right. And I do want to jump into that. I want to get your guys' initial reactions to uh, what's going on with this show first. Mm. What's Jim? going on is pretty obvious. We're getting. Much less of our weekend occupied by Bruce Pritchard. Uh, so it, now it took me like three days of car rides to listen to it. Now it's just like one car ride to somewhere. Uh, it's definitely getting shorter. I just think it, there's something missing. I, I, yes. Bruce's still sharing his thoughts and opinions, but it's not that edgy or as free as it was before. Yeah. Right, right. right. It's, it lacks, I would say, like substance, right? Yeah, a little, little bit of punch. I mean, I, again, I listen to it on Spotify, my preferred mm-hmm. uh, podcast app platform. So I see a 90 minute episode. I'm like, great. 1.5 speed. It's way better than three hour, four hour episodes sometimes, especially when it comes out on a work day. But there isn't that bite. Like, yeah, you get like the like the, the BS from Bruce, but you don't get like the as many like cutaways, you don't get as many like characters or gimmicks or really what he felt back there, how he felt he failed or how he could do things better. So it seems very like, ex- express. It just mm-hmm. felt like, okay, in, out, here's your like event and see you next week. And boxgimmicks.com, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we could uh, deduce that maybe Bruce is a little emotionally exhausted. Mm-hmm. You know, or if literally. we were the type to speculate, we could say, well. Physically, probably. Uh, yeah, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be shocked to hear that he was literally exhausted. Like, right. that's a, whatever job he has at the WWE, we know to be very taxing, both physically and emotionally. Mm-hmm. That, like, I don't think, I don't, I don't, I don't think we, he has as much time in his week than he used to. Right, and even just adjusting to the pressure, going from doing completely your own thing, how and when you want to do it, and doing very well at it, to being in an environment that's so controlled and where you have such little freedom, I think is was probably a bit of a of a jolt. He mm-hmm. was he was at the WWE offices doing this, right, in Connecticut. Yeah. So that tells you a thing or two. That's crazy. Also, I don't want to be so negative, like oh, the show is dead, which a lot of those comments exist. And I can't delete them because they're on because <laughs> they are on conversation. That is a conversation to be had about the show. Mm-hmm. But I, I do want to alert those alarmists. Okay. Alarm the alarmists. But, yeah. we're, but we're a part of a community that's the show is all the community is based around this show. Mm-hmm. So yes, be vocal that hey, I didn't like this part of the show, or that we didn't get enough insight from Bruce, or that he literally phoned it in. Hmm. That, but let him know that in a constructive way of I'm still down for you. I'm still down for this show you've done and hope you continue to do. But these are my these are my constructive notes for you moving forward. We we want lo- like WrestleMania You're twenty. Just, it's disappointment. Yeah, like WrestleMania twenty. We were expecting a three to five hour episode. It's a big deal. About well, like like we didn't talk very much about Kane versus the Undertaker, and I'm like, there's and I understand we had a whole Undertaker episode, and like we've talked about Kane and the Undertaker a lot. Although I'm li- I'd be lying if I said there wasn't there was a Kane episode because there isn't. Oh, but geez. I am. Oh, that's the number one comment. 
<laughs> people are like, why isn't there a Kane episode? Every time there's a Rikishi, <laughs> Mayor Glenn and every time there's one? a Rikishi episode or like a Muhammad Hassan episode yeah. or a Scotty Too Hotty episode, they're like, oh, Scotty. oh, yeah. but we waiting on the Kane episode. Yeah, all right. We can. Who we? are these hood rats? Who are you like, yo, where's my Kane episode at? Like, <laughs> so many people. Well, can we speculate as to why that may be? Should we guess? Should we imply? Should we make some stuff? Well, Kane up? has been. We <laughs> always do. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> quote Conrad, Kane has been on the poll before and has lost to other people. Oh, okay. So it's not that he's unwilling to talk about uh, him for some reason. No, it's just a matter of like when they put him on the poll, something else wins. But it's one of those loaded polls, like those Cyber Sunday ones. Like, do you want a chairs match, hell in a cell, <laughs> or a headlock match? I don't know, sometimes <laughs> I feel like it was it was a long time ago, but I remember when Gold Dust was on the poll and we got that like really epic four hour Gold Dust episode. Yeah, that um. The when when Bruce like introduced the poll that week, it was Gold Dust, China, X Pac, and something else. And he literally was like, Oh, China's gonna win this poll. Yeah. I don't even know why we're bothering That's with the what poll. I would China, guess too. China's yeah. gonna win this poll, and then Gold Dust won the poll. And it was I, I would argue a very classic episode of this show. Yeah. Cause like it's the minutiae the minutia is what you really look for, for in this show. Like, oh, how are we gonna spend four hours talking about gold dust? And it's like actually gold dust was all over the place for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And inner and like cross paths with so many people that gives you so many good stories that you wouldn't really expect. Is yeah. it a Kevin Bacon six degrees? A little bit. That's I think cool. Jerry Lawler He's was like that. Guy. Jerry Lawler was like that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That it was like someone who had been around for so long that he interacted with so many people. Mm-hmm. Like I remember him and the Miz wasn't even didn't even come up. And, like, that was a fairly recent thing, but, like, he had a world title, he had, like, a program with The Miz for more than one pay-per-view. That's true. Where Jerry Lawler worked with the world champion. (laughs) See, still more to talk about what they've said on other episodes than on this one. (laughs) Okay, so let's let's get to it, though. They set up the, what was kind of going down at the time for WrestleMania 20, revenue, pay-per-views, live events, everything's down. (laughs) We're doing a really good job at turning this on a positive note here. (laughs) They had lost The Rock, they'd lost Steve Austin, and they're in a period of rebuilding at this time. And one of my, the favorite juicy little things we did get out of this episode, as you mentioned earlier, Steve, was the idea idea that Tori Wilson and Billy Kidman's relationship was causing problems backstage. Mm-hmm. Tori had done a second Playboy or something and people were saying, or Conrad was asking Bruce, was it true that maybe people thought she was being too big for her britches or this relationship was causing problems? And he, Bruce, shot that down hard. Yeah, yeah he did. Yeah, that was his, his big outburst. Well, at least from his perspective. <laughs> yeah. And said that from my perspective and from my understanding, that does not sound right to me. No, not at all. Anything, anytime you bring up Tori Wilson's name to anyone, they will go on and on about how great she is, mm-hmm. how nice she is to anyone and everyone. We were just talking to Bischoff about her a couple weeks ago. Not just to people she has to be nice to, but to anyone and everyone in a meet and greet situation. How hard she works mm. is also another thing that always comes up about Tori. And even when Conrad started asking, I was like, mm. This is, this is going to be one of those dirt sheet debunks. Well, well, why does that rumor always persist then? I feel like everyone does say oh. it's positive, but why did everyone? Or why is that thing like, oh, I don't know about her. She's kind of onto her head. She's a bad person. Because it, it was in a dirt fullable. sheet because yeah. it still exists on a dirt sheet. Well, yeah, from as, years as a thing from record, and it also, it's funny now because I feel, and I know nothing. However, if I were Jackie Gata, let's say, Okay. And I wanted Tori Wilson to get... If Tori Wilson getting taken down a peg helped my payday, mm-hmm. and I could give information to Wade Keller anonymously that isn't false. Because nothing that was said was outright false. She did get a second pay-per-view thing. Mm-hmm. She was very close to Billy Kidman and his career. Mm-hmm. And like, if she were to paint a picture that made Tori Wilson look like a diva that wound up in 
we call it the torch, right? Yeah. That like wound up in the torch at that time that could potentially hurt Tori mm-hmm. and then help her. Jackie Gate is an example. I have no idea, but like any woman on that roster. That's mm-hmm. so true. And people would salivate at that because it yes. is different from what they usually hear and just because it's about Tori Wilson. Like sure. we talked about the whole Playboy thing, what a big deal it is mm-hmm. uh, for them to do that. So that was like the thing. You got the WrestleMania spotlight. Without the Playboy thing, I don't think that quick four-minute match even exists, right, right. Uh, at that point. So that's a big deal. There's going to be haters in, in so many ways. And, I mean, I you even see the reaction now from the tweets and everyone when Tori Wilson got announced to the Hall of Fame. It's all so positive. Everyone's saying how nice she was and mm-hmm. how loved, how she deserved it. And fellow of the the women who were at her, in her era, like, mm-hmm. you, you hear hearing from. So it's just been positive reaction. I just think, like, for me, Tori Wilson, like, you can take the girl out of Boise, Idaho, but, <laughs> uh, but you know, she's still Boise in a lot of ways. That's so true, although she told me once when I interviewed her, she was like, if there would have been cameras rolling, I was asking her about Total Divas, and she was like, if there would have been cameras rolling back in the day when I was on the road with those girls, it was so crazy, and, like, she would not elaborate. I tried so hard. Oh. But can you imagine if we could hear some of those stories? Oh, she's girl. the one that should do a podcast. Girl, what did Ivory say? I yes. want to know. <laughs> <laughs> we know it was Ivory. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I just want an Ivory. Um, I want an. I, I want a podcast specifically with Ivory and Candace Michelle, and they just talk trash. <laughs> Ivory, Candace Michelle, and a bot and like two mimo- two bottles of champagne and yes. all the orange ju- just mimosas with the ladies. Wow. Maybe they call Sunny in jail. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what? I'm serious. Oh, yeah. I want to talk to Sunny. If you uh, we were talking about this. But as far as what went down uh, before the pay per view that they're that they're talking about, that was pretty much the only juicy thing we got. A little background on what was going on with Goldberg, but we know all about that. He was on his way out. Um, the little, little more adding context to the whole mania thing is that this was the same year as Janet Jackson's little snafu mm-hmm. at the Super Bowl, and so the FCC. Who's the FCC going to look at? They're like, mm, somebody's going to try to copy this. Someone's going to capitalize. Well, on they this. looked for e- they looked for very easy targets, and what Bruce didn't bring up was the easiest target for the FCC was actually Howard Stern. Oh, Howard, that time in for 2004. Sure. This is what led Howard Stern to satellite radio. Mm-hmm. Was that the FCC started coming after him, and he really had to question because his whole thing was shock and awe. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't that like what he was doing violated ter- like what the FCC considers decent because that's a political right. that's a political nightmare. Yeah, it's a matter of like, well, why don't I just do something that the FCC doesn't have regulation over? Mm-hmm. So the air as it exists on the radio, he. FCC had had jurisdiction, whereas satellite radio, they didn't. He just went away. Whereas the WWE decided, well, if we're going to be on something the FCC has jurisdiction and we have no ability to go elsewhere, yeah. we should probably just abide by what the FCC wants. And that's a whole other discussion with oh, the yes. FCC, frequency versus content. Right. And that's just, oh, if they yeah. even actually had jurisdiction. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, class. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Also, do you guys remember uh, when it was announced that The Rock and, and Mick Foley would be in a tag team together? Yeah. yeah. yeah it was what, a, was, what was your reaction? One of the funky ones. It's like, well, you know, it's together they were funny, but you never think of them as like the, the pantheon of great tag teams. Mm-hmm. But definitely uh, their chemistry was un- un- undeniable. Like I think to them, them together was definitely the comedy gimmick that wasn't totally a farce, which mm-hmm. I totally enjoyed. So. I thought it was a splashy choice for a WrestleMania return for The Rock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because... I don't. I don't. I think. I looking back, it ultimately helped where he was in his career. He couldn't have been in a spot. He couldn't have been in a like featured spot like he was with John Cena for two years. Yeah. So he needed to be in something where he would pop a number. Everyone would enjoy the segment. 
but it ultimately didn't matter very much. Mm-hmm. Also, The Rock comes back and loses to people in tag matches <laughs> at Madison Square Garden. Because <laughs> yeah. it was, I believe it was Team Rock and Cena versus Team Miz, like, way later. Mm-hmm. That The Rock came back Long and time. Team Miz won. Mm-hmm. Like, it was Team Miz and R-Truth and, like, a bunch of people out of Survivor Series that The Rock came back. And, like, The Rock really cares about this business so much that he came back and lost to Evolution, mm-hmm. who all became world champions. Well, right. you had to, I think they had to lose. Because, you know, you were getting Rock and Mick Foley maybe for, Rock for sure for a one-off in yeah. a lot of ways, and Mick Foley for a very short period or just a return after being out for so many years. Evolution, that was the future. And mm-hmm. you had to put him over. And who better to put him over than these two legends in mm-hmm. a lot of ways and fan favorites? Yeah. So I thought that was the perfect match. The Rock and Sock connection coming together and uh, putting him against Evolution, putting over Evolution. This was like, this was kind of the first glimpse of Batista and Orton, what they would become later on. And Jim, something else I wanted to ask you about is this idea that the USA Today report on wrestler deaths is coming out, right? Mm-hmm. Were you as surprised as I was that WWE is not at all concerned about that? In a lot of you ways. Know that can be incredibly damaging. At the time, when yeah. we're talking about this time period, no, because it was a different era. I think if it came out now, there'd be a lot more ESPN stories being picked up about it. Back then, like Bruce kind of dismissed it really yeah. quick. I mean, strongly in a lot of ways, too. He's like, oh, well, they're talking about like 80-year-old guys or guys that was like, no, there's a lot of guys. Brian Pillman was very not long removed. You there know, would be plenty and, of and he was in, examples. He was not old or 80 or anything like that. Yeah. So um, he kind of really dismissed that unfairly, I felt, in a lot of ways. But at the time, I think it, there wasn't such a public, in a sense outcry or, mm. or or even knowledge of it you know like mm-hmm. the concussions are now so back in the day they could have in a way tried to sweep it on a rug or not acknowledge it mm-hmm. i also think he incorrectly characterized the article as it pertained to the wwe where it was like oh they're saying that the wwe is killing all these guys and it's like, no they're saying the wrestling business is yeah. which right. is actually and i think the company line at that time was well, most of these people weren't our employees when they died. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Most of these we've most, heard Bruce say that on yes. the show. Well, he literally said that on this show that it didn't happen on our watch, mm-hmm. and like it wasn't that much long later that Kurt Angle went to TNA partially because, according to the dirt sheets, that they didn't want that to happen. Mm-hmm. That with Kurt Angle specifically, and it's it's a weird thing you kind of hear the murmurs of in this that it's WWE lets people go before something like what happened with Eddie happens mm-hmm. or Chris happens where they it actually does happen on their watch. Yeah. But it is I don't know, I think there was a lot of credence even then to the idea that the wrestling industry is such a factor in so many young athletes dying and dying in like just this sudden sudden way that as an industry, I don't know like I think WWE worked very hard internally to fix this problem. Mm-hmm. But still we're able to tout the line of well, I mean Pillman, Pillman, at that point, Pillman would be the one clear-cut, Pillman and Owen Hart would be the two clear-cut examples. Mm -hmm. And everybody else, oh, well, yeah, they worked for us. Yeah, I think to that point, whereas what kind of weakened the argument against the wrestling business, as opposed to, say, the NFL, is that there wasn't one boogeyman. It wasn't just concussions. Mm. It was like injuries, drug use, maybe steroids for a different generation, um, even concussions or even that thing too. So which one do you attack at once? Mm-hmm. And it's very easy to dismiss and be like, well, it's just a you know occupational hazard. You know, things happen. Guys. What was their, what was their uh, drug policy back then and all that that it is now? It was nowhere oh, no, near, near as strong as it is now. They were still traded, but I don't think it was nearly as stringent as it was now. No, now you legitimately get suspended even if you're top of the card, uh, if there's any violations or any things like that. Back mm-hmm. then, I don't know. 
Yeah, we saw that recently with, uh, reportedly, with Alicia Fox. But uh, going back to WrestleMania 20, this one opened up in a kind of a unique way. It's the first time we see a fourth generation McMahon on the show. We got the Harlem Boys Choir. Do you guys think that wrestling fans, or as wrestling fans, do you give a crap? About the way the show opens, like does it, is it important America that it sets a tone, all that. Yeah. or do you just want to see some wrestling? Are you asking me personally? <laughs> because <laughs> I, I am, feels, you seem like you would feel I, strongly I about like, this. Yes, I, I, I am. I feel like you can pop in any video after No Way Out 2004, and you can see a, a complete uptick in the quality of the video packages. Mm-hmm. Like for me, oh, yeah. the theme music selection, the graphics, the design, even when you go back to the same venue year after year, like SummerSlam, for example, I tune in for that. I, I That's actually part of the presentation. That is like the commercials for the Super Bowl WrestleMania. So Seeing the fourth generation McMahon itself, all right, it's a baby. Cool. But the idea that took an idea and said, we're going to re- reboot this and this is a new generation, but we're back where we started, to me, it was like pitch perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I do like when the WWE, which has some of the best production people in the world, mm-hmm. making consistently making 52 weeks a year worth of television on a very tight deadline. Yeah. To really let those people creatively flow on what is the story of our night. Mm-hmm. And I really, I really thought WrestleMania 20 was one of the better told stories of the night, especially since we're talking about you lose Rock, you lose Austin. Mm-hmm. The first guy out is John Cena. Like you're, uh, Randy Orton and Batista win, mm-hmm. and then like Eddie and Chris are all, are on the top of the card. We like had you more really backstage interactions and some yeah, more of that thing. You than get you get the, the return of you get the return of a hybrid Undertaker because it was we talked a lot about this on the Undertaker episode that. You had the purple wearing dead man wrestling zombie, mm-hmm. and then you had the biker coming out to Limp Biscuit if you saw it live. Um, <laughs> ministry, like American, where's the Ministry Undertaker in between? The Ministry Undertaker is pre American Badass right. Undertaker, yeah, but yeah. that Undertaker was still definitely a wrestling zombie. Mm-hmm. And then he got buried for the second or third time, literally. <laughs> right. And then he became. Is it his match, though? Okay, go ahead. But that, 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 it is his match, he always loses. Um, and then he eventually comes back. And but this him coming back and facing Kane was the first time he was a hybrid of the wrestling zombie, but Mark the guy who's a biker and like a badass, mm-hmm. and you got both. And then that mm-hmm. was the like we got a, I think ten years, more than ten years worth of that Undertaker, mm-hmm. and that was a reboot of the Undertaker. It was a reboot of a lot of people, a lot of a few of a lot of feuds. Yeah. At a time where they desperately needed to rebrand and reunderstand who who's the future. And as we're talking about Undertaker, I remember, was it last week, right, that the gongs went off on yes, during the show? Two weeks, the, the, two weeks ago, yes. just, just for no reason, random gongs out of nowhere. Do you have any insider information, Steve Kaufman, as to no whether insider, Dead Man Talking is happening? I have no insider information. I will say Matt Kuhn was the audio engineer of this podcast, of the Something to Wrestle podcast for a long time. He mm-hmm. also does stuff with Vince Russo now. Mm-hmm. He also has his own podcast that Conrad came on. Mm-hmm. And Conrad said he there's no more to it. He didn't talk about the gong. So much as he talked about registering the trademark, mm-hmm. other than I tried to register the trademark so I can get it because I know Starcast is doing some business with the Undertaker, mm-hmm. and we haven't really put any more thought into it than that. And it's just a genius name. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, like, like once again, he registered for it. He didn't get it. Right. He has yet to. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he has yeah, yet yeah. to be given it. He right. he only registered for it. Oh, yeah. So you can't say much about it, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and also, I don't know. I do you like I stand by where we were. Like, do we really think? Yeah, no, still think no, it's definitely he's not, not talking. Mm-hmm. I, th- 
just want to see not if, you could, <laughs> if you could really put it to put it to rest. I think Conrad has built a pretty decent mechani- live show mechanism mm-hmm. that if the WWE will allow Mark to come oh. and do a show called Dead Man Talking, mm-hmm. like but like a literal like put your phones in a bag show. Yeah, and I was just at the Improv last night. They've perfected that technology that they make you put your phone in a bag that locks, and then the lock is on the other side of the door. So that you cannot, you literally, like, hey, you're free to use your phone if you leave the room, and we'll unlock it for you. So, like, if you could do something like that, and literally say, like, you cannot use your phone for this show, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be shy. If if WWE would let him do it under, probably that would be one of the major guises, is that it's not recorded by anyone, and that it's just Conrad, Mark, and the the crowd that's there. Right. Hmm. I, I don't know. That's a selling point. Conrad has a lot of people who want to look book a lot of stuff, and presumably no more Bruce. Mm-hmm. That might be an option he has if WWE will allow it, mm. or if Mark wants mm. to leave. Which <laughs> the first one seems more likely. Right? Well, one guy who's probably never going to host a podcast or leave WWE is John Cena, and uh, this show opened with a big U.S. title match. Oh, this is one of those millions of times John Cena won the title, right. the U.S. title. This meant a lot at the time. I, right, but yeah. Bruce didn't say hardly anything about it. He was like, well, oh, yeah, they told a good big story. Show. Yeah, he Check. was there. Huh? Mm-hmm. Yep. This was, and y'all can... His first title, wasn't it? Yes. Yes, it was. Also, yeah. it was, and y'all can check me on this, y'all. the greatest WrestleMania opening match ever. In the wow. history of WrestleMania, this was the best first match. Wow, that's a hot really? take. Really? The best WrestleMania. Hmm. Get at me. Get at me in the comments if I'm at wrong. me, bro. <laughs> this is the best WrestleMania opener in the history of WrestleMania. Didn't Daniel Bryan opening his Triple H one WrestleMania? That he did, but this in was New better. Orleans? <laughs> he did, but this was better. Really? I thought that also, was... Also, the opening segment of that one was the Hogan-Austin... Um, oh, yeah, that's right. Cycling. The Hogan-Austin-Rock... Yep, yep. Where yeah. Austin didn't stun everyone, and I un- and I unsubscribed. What to was that? Yeah. WrestleMania twenty seven, twenty eight. Uh, the the Edge's last match against uh, Del Rio. That might have that, been. Was that open. a good match though? I don't remember. <laughs> Probably not. If I can't remember. Exactly. Like this was a good match. Told a good story, and like the fact that Big Show's still there, and that John Cena is John Cena. Sure. Aside to, and like the match and the story, I think. Come at me. Is is John Cena the greatest US champion this. of the WWE version of the title? Is that, is that too hot of a take, do you think? Carlito. No, I think... <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Cena, Cena and Big Show better just be glad that Team Bad and Blonde versus Team Total Divas was on the pre-show <laughs> and didn't open WrestleMania 32, right, okay? Because right. otherwise he would have some competition. <laughs> Six stars. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of competition, how about a four-way tag team title match? There's two of them on this card. And Bruce says, you know, this is just a way of getting as many names out there as possible and... I don't have a problem with that. Payday. It's the biggest and it's the grandest stage of them all or whatever. Let everybody get an opportunity. Who cares if it's not great? This I forgot about Jindrak. I forgot he I existed. Mean, <laughs> this is not the forum for me to rant on how WWE mishandles tag team wrestling. So <laughs> well, uh, There's a lot of places you can. A lot of yeah. people you can talk about that if you also, want to. I'm pretty sure. There are a lot of links of me ranting pretty extensively <laughs> about, and I think this is one of the indicative things, that one of those teams was literally Booker T and Rob Van Dam mm-hmm. paired together, beating a bunch of actual tag teams. And just the fact that ring psychology-wise, it's completely illogical. And I've always thought that. Even before I didn't know about wrestling, even just as a casual fan, I was like, but why would he do that? That doesn't make sense. I'm just Ben. Mm-hmm. Right? Can you handle this, bro? You know, I'll come back in later. <laughs> <laughs> I want you guys to have a chance, too. <laughs> 
All right. Uh, let's talk about Jericho and Christian fighting oh, I over love that. Trish. Yeah. You do? Is this one of your love faves? That. That's one of my WrestleMania top ten WrestleMania memories. Oh, yeah? Really? Of all time. Yeah, that was at the time that angle was hot. That was a hot angle was. that was going on for a while. And I didn't see that turn. And we knew Trish as the kind of the, the everyone's favorite lovable Trish and I didn't see a heel turn that and when she kissed uh, Christian then she wiped I mean she wiped her lip afterwards oh my god that was such a moment on top of that man I will remember for me that was a Wrestlemania moment that put Christian over big time too I thought Christian arrived as a major player because he was always the Edge's sidekick mm-hmm. and he was trying to make his own kind of career with Edge being out with a neck injury that, for me, established Christian. And you can look, going forward, he became a legitimate mid-carter to upper uh, to main event talent after that. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a huge WrestleMania moment. Very memorable. Yeah, and I think Jericho sold it, too. The emotion. The emotion, yeah. bro. Like, he felt a real heartbreak. But to your point, it was awesome. I'm a big Christian fan. Huge. It, just when I bring it up for Heel you to get Trish. that excited. Yeah. Yeah. It's like so real cool. packages and then Christian yeah. and right. Like, that's yeah. what wrestling is. That's what it means. That's what should be. That's what WrestleMania match should give to people mm-hmm. is that kind of excitement and memory. Good match, too, by the also, way. Also, uh, also, like, a slight 04 WWE style of feminism. Th- yeah. They were fighting over her as if she were an object, and then she flipped the script on them. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. Very like much that, so. That was as close to feminism as you would get from the WWE in a yeah. <laughs> It was a long time ago. Very <laughs> well, match. Uh, since we're kind of in the natural progression of things, the, the women's match, so this would be... Sable had three wins at WrestleMania. Yeah. I mean, I know she had to put up with a lot of other stuff. Did Brock have anything to do with this? A Hall of Famer Sable right there. Yeah. And, but that the second match, Molly and... Uh, ja- no, um, Victoria? Victoria. Yes, yes, Victoria and Molly. That was not your traditional at this time women's match. We got that with the other mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. And then you got some real good women's wrestling, right? Yeah. I think that, to me, was was WWE testing it on their labs, right? They didn't quite have the staff or the roster to do it with, but they really felt like you can't live on GoDaddy models forever, right? (laughs) And I think showing that showcase at WrestleMania was a start of saying, hey, we're more open to trying new things. Mm -hmm. And Molly Holly, man. Can you say enough good about her? Now, and what she's doing now, training um, in Minneapolis, I forget, Ken School, right? It's her and Davari, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, she's just she's incredible. Favorite diva, favorite diva of that time. Wow. She doesn't give a lot of interviews, but we did have her Skype into uh, Xbox One Two Three Sixty a couple years ago. Very Ooh. revealing. So make sure you go oh. back. YouTube.com slash Xbox. There you go. There you go. Give it a watch. <laughs> you may see a familiar face. All right, you guys mentioned a little bit what was going on with uh, Evolution and the Rock and Stop Connection. Any other thoughts about that match when you went back and watched it again? I disagree with McFoley. McFoley says he didn't like this match. Yeah. Yeah, he's made no uh Qual- he no said no qualms about that. he's made no qualms about not liking this match. He felt like they didn't give him enough time. They were building towards st- that there are there are a lot of stories like that about McFoley post retirement retirement like post his pre-retirement if you will like cuz he had a retirement and then came back a bunch. Mm-hmm. I thought his work with Rand- with Randy Orton mm-hmm. is if for nothing else, like, I thought his work with Randy Orton was better than this whole match. Mm-hmm. But this match was what it was. It was kind of a play the hits. Play the hits and have a, and then subvert expectations. Because you would play that, you would have Rock and Sock Connection come out, get the nostalgia pop. Mm-hmm. The Rock comes out, Mick Foley comes out, and then a, presume they would beat but shine up the newer guys. And that's not what happens. You subvert that expectation. Like, no, the newer guys win. Because they're amazing. And they're going to continue to be amazing. Right. 
Do you think it was? It's just with Mick that like he's used to having, you know, falling off a cage mm. and just doing all this stuff that makes such a huge splash. That do you see him as someone who's sort of like, oh, back in the day it was so great, and I used to, you know, jump off the tops of buildings and and then, and if he doesn't do that, then he's disappointed. Um, I'll mind my words, but I do think him as a wrestler. Mm-hmm. Always felt him as a wrestler and a storyteller. Always felt the need to escalate to the natural progression, which for him meant falling off a giant cage or doing mm-hmm. this or doing that. Whereas in 04, later in his career, he couldn't do that. Yeah. So he will always be disappointed because he'll be unable to deliver on what he felt, and he keeps trying like bell to bell, just in the ring. I should be able to do it. Mm-hmm. So like, I think that's a frustration he's had in the later parts of his career. Well, again, as a performer too, you know, doing stand up, there's always that the dynamic of doing new material versus classic stuff. Yeah, and you want to try to do things to push your, your yourself forward. And if someone goes, "Hey, do those four or five jokes you like," and then they cut you a minute off time, you're like, hmm. "Huh, I feel empty." Whereas the, the the validation of I've given my character out there. So I mean, that's why I, I understand why he doesn't like it. But as a viewer, I love the match. It was cool. Yeah, yeah. and I. Yeah. Like, but I like how the per- perspective you just gave to it there. It makes it seem noble. He just wants to give the people a good show. <laughs> oh, we love that, McFoley. All right, let's talk about the painful, quote-unquote painful, according to Bruce Goldberg, Lesnar. Steve Austin is the referee. I mean, this is one of those infamous matches. Yeah. Is that the word we'd use for this yeah, one? Yeah, it gets remembered for nothing. But on paper, this is a iconic WrestleMania match. You see Goldberg, the guy, the face of WCW... You know, going against that new face of WWE at the time. Like, this was on paper a monumental, like, never before seen sort of clash. It's mm-hmm. like seeing Jordan go against LeBron in a lot of ways. In, in some ways, I mean, if you compare to brands, WCW versus WWE. Yeah. Uh, and to get this out of that, that shows. I, I'm always wondering if this was in another city, if it wasn't in New York, Chicago, or Philadelphia. Would they have responded? If this was somewhere in, let's say, you know, South Carolina or North Carolina, would the crowd respond differently and the, the whole thing would have gone differently? They were in, uh, I mean, New York, they'll let you know no matter what. Mm-hmm. Had this, this could have been changed. I wonder if it was in a different city, but it would be remembered for the booing and just stare downs. I wonder our, that. Our too. resident New York guy? Yeah, because <laughs> you know what? I, I really felt like those guys didn't earn the posturing and the air, like the space that they were trying to do. Because everyone knew they were leaving. They had to have gone bell to bell and start like going at each other, much like Goldberg's other appearance when he faced when he came back. The fact you're doing that and people know you're leaving, mm-hmm. you're, it looks like almost like you're not even giving people 100%. You're just kind of like, how can I wind this down? And right. so like, we know Stone Cold, he's cool. He mm-hmm. sons people. Cheer for that guy. And it totally broke down. I would also argue WrestleMania exists on a separate timeline from all the other pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. So people, there are people who watch WrestleMania that don't watch wrestling, similar to how there are people who will watch oh, Super Bowl. Tons people who watch the Super Bowl fans. who don't watch football. Oh, yeah. Like it's, yeah. it's an American tradition in that sense. So to those people, the casual viewer, if you were to mention Goldberg to them, they think the ideal, perfect, never-before-seen opponent to Goldberg is Steve Austin. Right. Mm-hmm. So to, A, to put them in the same ring and then to not have that match... Which I understand Steve Austin was done by that point, whether we all knew it for sure or not. Like, we mm-hmm. learned later that, that was, Steve Austin was long gone. He had a tag match two years prior. That was it. Mm-hmm. You're already disappointing that audience. Then the crowd is being so vocal that they're going to have to be explained to by someone else in the room, like myself, who would have known what was happening, mm-hmm. of why the crowd doesn't care about this match. 
and be told, like, well, both of them are leaving. Also, as on-screen characters, both Brock Lesnar and Goldberg, in the six months heading into this, were not very good characters. Right. Not very well-written characters. I believe it was either Goldberg or Brock Lesnar who had literal TV dates written into their contract, and they were done. Like, they didn't have any more TV appearances to written. To give, yeah. To give, mm-hmm. so, like, you have to promote it without them. And this was before Paul, they trusted Paul Heyman to do that. Because nowadays, nowadays, that's the same with Brock Lesnar. That I think they have to, I think it leaked, they have to pay him half a million just to show up. Right. Which is why they pay Paul Heyman <laughs> an, annual, an annual salary <laughs> that's. Function? Yeah, like, I would say Paul Heyman makes double that. Oh, yeah, no, I'm I would sure say Paul Heyman makes millions fun. a year, but he, wor- <laughs> he gets to turn up. Yeah. And they get to save half a million dollars by not having Brock Lesnar. <laughs> well, that's what was going on with the big guys. How about the cruiserweights? This is not something that... Could, could, is it just that WWE can't figure out how to do cruiserweights? <laughs> I guess. Or just, just weren't that important at the time. I mean, you have so many big names and stars. It's WrestleMania. Let's just give these guys a payday. Throw them out there. It's equivalent. Now they would have done the Andre the Giant Battle right. Memorial, oh, Battle Royal. Back then, it's just like, let's squeeze these guys into the rank. The cruiserweights and- were so strong in WCW. WCW really did a good job of introducing it and mm-hmm. making it work. Mm-hmm. And I just can't think of any time in WWE where I would say the cruiserweights division worked. Yeah. I- and not uh, because of the performance. Of course. Oh, no, never. never. I would say... I would say 205 Live now is doing a better job of doing what the Cruiserweights worked for on Nitro, Mm -hmm. which is you have to treat them separate but equal. You have to, because it's a separate division. Mm -hmm. You have to treat the Cruiserweight division as a division and have very minimal to no Mm commingling. And then you, but the problem is how do you build up a division of guys that are roughly the same weight, size, and style of everyone else on your card? WWE does it best now with 205 Live. Because the 205 Live guys rarely, if ever, appear on Raw. Mm-hmm. 205 Live's a show. It's its own division. It's a show mm-hmm. about its own division. Mm-hmm. Whereas Chavo Guerrero, like, if you really run down the list of people in this battle royal, Chavo Guerrero became a heavyweight champion. Yeah. Um, I don't remember enough of the names to really <laughs> be able to go. Uh, be- Chavo was there. Uh, Ultimate Billy Dragon, Sinaki, Jamie Noble, Nunzio, Rey Mysterio, Shannon Moore, Tajiri, yeah. and Ultimate Dragon. Yeah. Uh, two for sure of them became heavyweight champions. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that's just difficult. How do you, like, that's a problem. That's a problem we probably could have, we will probably get to ask Eric in a later date mm-hmm. of how do you deal with a division. Like a Mustafa right. Ali type of yeah. situation. Like, how do you explain Mustafa Ali jumping from 205 to heavyweight? Without giving the ad- audience the idea that being on Raw and being a heavyweight is better than being a cruiserweight. Or, or bogging them down on someone's weight, because they don't want to do that either, because mm-hmm. they want... Buddy, I, I guarantee if you weighed Buddy Murphy today, he'd be 215. I think the two biggest problems historically that I can think of is one, the cruiserweight division was always on those the C show, Velocity, Jack, metal, metal, or whatever. And second of all, because of their similar weight and size in classes, their personas, gimmicks were one dimensional. Mm-hmm. Oh, he wears the the mask. Oh, this guy's from Japan. Uh, that guy's Mexican. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we got it. Yeah. Now we know who to root for. Thank you so much. <laughs> right. All right. Well, guys, I apologize. I haven't done a great job of keeping us on time today. <laughs> so you got to uh, offer up your final thoughts on this one kind of quick. I apologize. Jim? Okay. We'll start with me. <laughs> um, very memorable WrestleMania. I know every, Bruce and everyone was really high on it, talking about being one of the greatest 
I wouldn't say one of the greatest, but I think it was the glimpse of the future. Like, we talked about the setup for the future. I think that this future lasted only one year because WrestleMania 21 was the real beginning of the future. That's where the raw, I mean, that's where John Cena and Batista were born, and that transformed the next generation. I think this was the, the transitional part from. Austin, Brock, Goldberg moving on to one year. It was like buying that time for John Cena and Batista. So I, I remember that WrestleMania as being the transitional where the guys that never got to shine like Benoit and Eddie Guerrero got recognized. And that was their time for that one year. Um, I, I look back at this WrestleMania very fondly as unnecessary WrestleMania. And from a business standpoint, to look at like... If you were to look, take a random 10-year swath, this might not have been bell-to-bell one of the better WrestleManias, mm-hmm. but that's what you should be judging a company and a story and a business on, is what does your middle-of-the-road WrestleMania look like? As a middle-of-the-road WrestleMania, this is amazing. Yeah, not bad. I, I think that's fair. I think that of the, the late-era arena WrestleManias, it does stick out as one of the stronger ones, but to Jim's point, 21 was pretty strong, too. Um, I always look back at it fondly. Watching it back today, some of the kinks are starting to get in there a bit, but <laughs> overall, I think it's a positive WrestleMania. All right. Well, we are going to also get Bruce's thoughts on WrestleMania 10 next week. Mm-hmm. And then WrestleMania 17. Conrad said they're also going to be covering King Kong Bundy. Michael P.S. Hayes, I can't wait for that <laughs> one. And that they are going to get to Steve Austin's 1998. Oh, yeah. That's a lot of plans for a show that we don't know what's going <laughs> forward, okay? Yeah. Let's just stick with WrestleMania 10 and 17. That's all we're guaranteed right Ooh. now. All right, guys. Well, if they want to reach out to you on social media, Jim, where do they do that at? You can reach me at the Jim Alexander and Realtalker.com. That's R-E-E-L, Talker. You can see my interview with Nikki Bella. <laughs> and I'm Steve Kaufman. You can find me on Twitter almost exclusively at Steve Kaufman. That is K-A-U-F-M-A-N-N. I'm involved in a lot of YouTube pages. I tweet the link. Support me by supporting them. That's awesome. Uh, at Voice on Twitter, at Flobito on Instagram, and Flobito.com. You guys can always hit me up at Christy Reports. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We will see you soon. Bye-bye. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. <laughs> 